Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by AsfaltLife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen, and with me I have Maggie Umberger and Cindy Kuzma. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Gina. Cindy, this week you talked to Tim Faith, who's the R&D brewer at Goose Island Brewery. I did. I had the good fortune to go interview him in the tap room, which was fun, much like when you interviewed Stephanie in uh, one of her restaurants. It was great. Um, He is a runner as well, and we were immediately a little bit simpatico because the whole reason he started brewing was because of a running injury. He got hurt and um, had some spare time and learned how to brew and like totally changed his future career path and everything else. So it was great to kind of hear his origin story. And I'm sure you got to hear a little bit more from him about the industry he stepped into in general, which is brewing and the idea of craft breweries and how creativity comes into play in a big way that it really is an art form now. And it has become that way is really fascinating for me. And it's cool whenever I travel, I like to go visit breweries, even though beer is not my thing. It's just it's a cool way to experience culture and to experience really local culture. Uh, So what else did he have to say sort of about the industry and his journey into creating new beers. Yeah, well, it's super interesting, right? Because he's basically in charge of cool new things at Goose Island, which is now a really big brewery within an even bigger company. But they've really, I think in part due to kind of what you're talking about, like the craft beer industry, like they've had to stay on top of these trends. You know, they can't just like brew 312 all the time because there's a whole like range of other creative options out there that people are going to try to drink if you know if they are interested in that kind of thing. So Goose Island has to be kind of creative in that regard. But what's also interesting is that he views his role as like kind of an employee morale role too. I mean, they have all these brewers working there who are really creative people who get inspiration. He talked about some of the places that he gets inspiration for his beers and, you know, hearing about all of the ways that brewers get ideas like If they're just at a brewery where they're only brewing the same few things and they don't have a chance to experiment, they're going to get bored and they're not going to be really happy with their job there anymore. So having that creative outlet, like he actually has a small room within the bigger brewery at Goose Island where they're only doing experimental things and having that there and having people know that they have that outlet to try new things and experiment on their own and with his help, I think actually goes a long way in keeping a lot of people there happy and and working there and also keeping all of us happy who like to drink delicious creative beers. And now that Tim is back to running. He uses running as both a way to sort of fuel him at the brewery as well as a way to set goals outside of the brewery, including a super interesting goal recently. Right. So he'll talk about this, but he ran the Chicago Marathon this year. And well, he's run it three times. And two of those three times, he aimed not to run his fastest. One time he did aim to run his fastest, and I think he ran like a 244, which, by the way, is really fast. Um, But the other two times he aimed to run exactly three hours and 12 minutes, like 312, their signature beer. And that's an interesting goal because he can run faster than that. So he had to sort of think more about pacing himself and to think about not automatically like hitting stop on his Garmin when he slowed down, which is like I know as a runner, like I am always tempted to do is – well, that doesn't count. I'm walking. But he had to remember that he wanted his official time to be three hours and 12 minutes. And I think it's just, you know, in a in an interesting way, right? But I think it's a really good reminder that the goal doesn't always have to be if you're a runner to be the fastest. Like no matter what you're setting out to do, there are always like multiple ways to define success. And just a fun way to kind of remember that, I think. You know, something else is kind of interesting, too, is like the process of defining success in brewing beer. 
he talked about a lot of interesting ways. I mean, you have to run like he called them analytics, like certain panels to make sure like a beer is safe and um, has certain chemical characteristics, right? But then ultimately, the way to know that it's a good beer is like there is a tasting panel and people are like, yes, this is good. And so I think, again, it's just like there are lots of different definitions of success and lots of different elements that factor into saying, you know, what is achieving a goal in beer that I think probably spill over, pun intended, into like what is achieving a goal in your life. As we always say at A Split Life, there are so many parallels between life and fitness and business. And it sounds like we're about to hear a lot of those from Cindy's interview with Tim. This is Cindy Kuzma, and I'm here on the We Got Goals podcast with Tim Faith. And we're here in the Goose Island Tap Room. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for having me here today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Glad to have you. So, Tim, we're here where you spend much of your time, yep. I understand. So tell us a little bit about your role here at Goose Island and what your day-to-day is like. Definitely. Um, so I, I'm R&D brewer for Goose Island Beer Company. And what that means is helping to facilitate creativity and uh, basically new beers for the brewery and our customers, which can be the tap room, other accounts, or other, uh, other people that just genuinely like beer. Um, so basically that means we're, we're always creating new things. We're also reevaluating recipes that are already in production. Um, and like we, like we talked about earlier, uh, again, being a part of a production brewery, a lot of the brewers don't have the opportunity like they would at a brew pub to create new things. So we're also servicing like that engagement aspect. Everybody wants to create. That's why they became a brewer in the first place. Yeah, that's really cool. So you have, you know, an external audience of the people drinking your beer, but you're also working to kind of keep your employees happy and, and just create like a harmonious environment. Here, For right? sure. And it, I mean, one brewer's creation might inspire more creation from somebody else, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring a couple drums of raspberry juice into the brewery. We find a way to use it in one way or another. So you gave me an amazing tour of the brewery just now, and I thank you so much for that. And one of the things that struck me about it is is just something like that, like how everything has a use here and a reuse and a repurpose. Um, that seems to be something that's kind of part of the beer world, right? Yeah, and I, I'd say that's a big moral for me, too. Like, I hate waste. Anytime there's leftovers at a table, I'm, give me a doggy bag or something like that. So that's also an opportunity for really expanding on creativity, like, we have a bunch of raw materials that are left over, be it raspberry juice or coffee beans or chocolate. We figure out a way to kind of make something with it instead of having it go to waste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so cool. So, Tim, you are not only a brewer, you are also a runner, um, which is one of the things that brought me here today. So tell me a little bit about your running background and how you got started there. Definitely. Um, I started running in junior high, um, kind of as just kind of something to spend my time with. Uh, In high school, I actually tried out for the football team and made it through two weeks of summer camp. And I'm like, "Mm, I would rather run in a straight line and call it a day. It got too too complicated. So I joined the cross-country team, and it's been distance running ever since. Um, I ran at Glenbrook South High School and then again at uh, Augustana College. And... uh you were telling me a little bit before about your background at Augustana and kind of how you got into brewing there yeah. too. So talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, so yeah, 
I guess a little bit more detail behind that. I, I was on a, a run with a friend probably my sophomore year of college. It might have been summer. And he had just explained that he started getting into homebrewing. I thought that absolutely fascinating. Nothing really came of it until the following summer I found myself injured. And I realized I was a pretty boring person because all I did was run. And I figured I'd adopt like the hobby of homebrewing. Um, so that was going into junior year. And simultaneously, I started tasting beers to gain inspiration for homebrewing. And on a medical trip to uh, Australia, I, I worked at a medical prosthetic and design company. Um, I'm, my parents gave me a Pier 1 beer journal, and they were like, you need to stop drinking Everclear and Sangria. <laughs> Start drinking good beer. So I, I made it kind of like a secondary goal to uh, basically, I ended up spending my life savings on beer, and I peel off the labels out of every uh, bottle, stick it in the book, and then just write what I thought about them. I mostly just kind of get a gauge on like what I liked, uh, what I was experiencing, what was out in the market, but also to help inspire like my home brewing. Um, so I, while I was there, I was like, I'm gonna take home brewing to the next step. I ended up buying some fancy equipment, and I got back. I didn't have any money, but I just started home brewing a lot. And simultaneously, I switched majors to microbiology uh, from pre med to kind of help. I thought it was the best way to wheedle my way into the industry. I love that story, and I like that you added <laughs> that little dimension of it because I've I, I just finished writing a book about um, injury and kind of the psychological the aspects of it, and um, and how you know if you approach it the right way, you can you can actually use it as an opportunity, and oh, yeah. that's really what you did. Definitely, I, I mean, as a runner, I've been injured pr plenty of times, but uh, I think I learned something new each time. Yeah, yeah, like. Had a brew and right, right. <laughs> then your whole that's that's probably grew. the most grateful injury I've had. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like plantar fasciitis or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go back and add that into my book. Like, yeah. as an option. Here's something else. <laughs> yeah, you could just do. brew beer. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, Tim, I think we, I mentioned before I came here, and, and maybe you've been thinking about this, but um, you've accomplished a lot of, of interesting things in your life thus far. Um, the big question that we ask here on the We Got Goals podcast is, what is one big goal you've achieved? Why was it important to you? And, and how did you get there? So when you think about all these things, uh, what stands out to you? I think something I've always kind of fluctuated behind is whether I want to prioritize running or brewing. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I've done a really good job of balancing both because mm. I'm at a point in my career where I'm very happy with where I've come. Mm -hmm. um, I think I often hear like a lot of people are genuinely impressed with how I've, I, I've achieved what I've done um, and in brewing specifically. I'm probably more proud of that than running, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a journey, um, but I'm, I'm very content with being a research and development brewer for one of the most influential breweries in the United States. Um, and then simultaneously with running, uh, again, just balancing it. That's been the hardest part mm -hmm. um, and finding kind of like not necessarily shortcuts, but ways to work with brewing and all the events that we're always doing and um, ways to accommodate my running with my career. Mm -hmm. So we'll call them maybe efficiencies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right? probably the best way to say it. So how does that work? Like, what is a, a typical day or week like for you, and and how do you fit running in? Um, well, it starts on Sunday, probably just making that plan. Like, I'm probably going to bicycle to work on Monday morning with my food for the week, mm -hmm. and um, 
then I'm gonna, probably going to run to work the rest of the week. Uh, if there's uh, any events on our calendar or something, I kind of need to plan around that. So I'm going to do my, my long run or a workout the morning before. For example, like tonight, we have a party at Roots Pizza. Mm. I did my workout this morning at 5.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a lot of like planning and strategy, but also like not abiding by a strict uh, plan either because things come up too. Like I'm going to, maybe I get done with a really busy day and I sometimes I find myself sitting in the locker room just staring at my shoes and like today I'm going to take the day off. Mm-hmm. I have to be flexible like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a degree of just balancing the planning versus again, there's, there's a fair amount of beer too. And I, <laughs> I, I definitely think I have a good tolerance for running and beer in the same kind of couple hours. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you about that because we came down here and you're like, I'm going to get another beer. I already ran today. And I'm like, I didn't run yet today. So I'm going to hold off. But yeah. like, how does it, how does it work together for you? Um, I, I feel immediately after college is a good example. Um, and this just might be in my head, but again, right out of college, I was working at a brewery and I was probably running about 80 miles a week. And I just learned to run while I was partially intoxicated. And I felt like it really, <laughs> it really helped. Like, uh, resistance training. Because mm. then when I like took a week off before, of drinking before a race, like I ran pretty well. I, I mean, I, I think I've set all my PRs after college from 800 on up. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, like a, a, a form of tapering you would yeah, cut I mean, back on the alcohol. You're still you're like, technically a college kid. You're getting off work and everybody else around you is having a couple beers. Mm-hmm. You, you partake, but then you're like, well, it's five o'clock. I still need to get in 12 miles. And you just, again, I think that structure has helped really kind of formulate how I've gotten this far too. Yeah. Both brewing and running. Right, right. It's both having that bigger commitment to the goal and also having some flexibility. Knowing when to stop. <laughs> knowing like, I mean, I try to set some rules like one pint of beer, one pint of water, one pint of beer. Mm. Gotta always supplement with water. Mm-hmm. Think of it as cutting the beer in half. Yeah. Good note. I'm taking notes here yeah. <laughs> for, future, for future reference. Um, so uh, I know you ran the marathon this year, yes. the Chicago Marathon, and you've run it in the past. And mm-hmm. you had a pretty interesting goal uh, this year and last year too, right? Yes. Um, well, actually, in 20, so 2015, 2015, that was the start of it. Um, I was asked to run a marathon, and I was actually not planning on running a marathon until I was 30. Okay. So I turned 30 in like three weeks. Um, and... Yeah, the goose came around and they're, they're like, hey, you want to run a marathon? You're a runner. Because I was, I was running 5Ks and half marathons. And I was like, all right, fine, but I'm not going to race it. I'm going to have fun. And kind of just planned the race accordingly. Like we made a, again, one of our main flagships is 312 Wheat. Mm-hmm. And I figured like, oh, that's an attainable marathon time. I'll mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew with my training I could probably run the first part pretty fast and then kind of hang out. Um, and then Goose also strategically plants the Goose Island bus at 3.12 miles from the finish line. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, I'll stop there, have a couple beers, and then finish the run. Uh-huh. Also, I was able to uh, get the 312 bib from the marathon because apparently oh, Goose nice. Island gets it every year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just by coincidence, we got a pretty cool photo at the finish line. Mm-hmm. So what is it like to, so obviously you could probably run faster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it like to kind of target a really specific time like that? I think the biggest stress was just like keeping your watch going because 
I think runners have an innate response of whether they have that program in their watch or not, but to just stop your watch whenever you stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I did have to hold myself back from stopping my watch so I could just make sure like how how fast I needed to run for the remaining distance while the time kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew when I needed to leave the, mo- the 23rd mile mark to get to the finish line. And mm-hmm. I still kind of had to stop a little bit mm-hmm. thereafter, but mm-hmm. in all, I ended up stopping for probably... 20, 25 minutes and three beers later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went back, so you've done that how many times then? I've run the, Mar- the Chicago Marathon now three times, uh-huh. 2015, uh, 2016, and just uh, just this past 2018. 2018. Okay. And you ran the same time. Uh, I ended up trying to race it in 2016. Okay. Uh, I ran a 244, so it was pretty much the the same pace I was running for the first half of the marathon or the first 20 of the marathon, mm-hmm. but I actually ran it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how did that feel? It hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I was prepared as well, and I thought I was actually more prepared this year. So I gave myself a secondary goal to actually like run through on two. But as soon as I got through the uh, I think 16 miles, I was like, my calf started seizing up, and I was like, well, I should focus on the more longer-term things and not try to push it or anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So the A and the B goal, I think, is pretty important. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think uh, most runners end up having those, and maybe like a sort of C goal. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> finish. <laughs> Just in case. Right, finish, finish. Um, so is it like that in brewing, too? I mean, we, we talked about some of the interesting things. You know, you're always developing some new new brews and new ideas. And we talked about some of the steps along the way to, uh, to getting those to completion. Um, talk to me about like what it means. Do you have like a goal when you're developing a new beer and like, how do you know when it's done? Um, I, I guess that touches on like inspiration. Yeah. Um, I mean, inspiration can really come from anything. You, you can be on a trip, you can hear some music, you can, um, be talking to somebody. I mean, great ideas are generated by having a couple pints with friends too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how often have you found yourself with a couple of beers, your friends, and just coming up with these mind-blowing ideas that, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot, too. Like, just having a flavor idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to think of all the parameters of the beer itself, uh, what color it is, what uh, what kind of yeast origin you want, what, you, what target market you want to achieve with that, um, whether it aligns with a certain lifestyle or something like that. Um, for example, like, I don't know, you can create a beer with utilizing Michigan fruit from a camping trip in Michigan or something like that. Or, um, for example, doing an electrolyte beer, aligning it with runners and the lifestyle of running. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to finish my runs with a beer. Why not have that extra boost of electrolytes in it? Um, mm-hmm. It comes from all areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that idea, um, how do you go about making it a reality? Um, so we have we have kind of like a, a strict process here in terms of like recipe proposal, um, having a destination for the beer, uh, why you're doing it in the first place, um, and then we'll actually uh, put most brewers on a list, and it's pretty much chronological from there by time. So mm-hmm. whenever there's free tanks available, we'll get a new recipe brewed. Um, again, being a part of a production facility, the brewers don't often have that outlet for creativity, so we're also a big service for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And brewing that trial, and again, like, if the opportunity presents itself, to keep brewing it until you perfect it. If you achieve what you do on the first trial, then great. We can put that in, in our back pocket for perhaps later. 
Um, otherwise, you can keep brewing it and perfecting that. I've brewed a couple beers three or four times already just to make sure like, I get it right and have it ready for in that instance. Mm-hmm. So tell me what it means to perfect something and the kind of process that you go through to, to tell whether you've achieved your goals for that beer. Perfection's really hard in beer because, uh, again, you're, it's, not, it's not like a single ingredient beverage. It's, you're working with water, malt, hops, and yeast, and each one of those parameters on top of temperature and other variables will create something completely different. And it's almost like knowing a language and how to speak through each one of those factors. So it's very hard. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, you want to create a beer that you enjoy and the people around you enjoy as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then here, you were kind of explaining to me earlier, it goes through this process, right, where you have a tasting panel and mm-hmm. people who are like rating it on, well, you have to go through the analytics, like the, yeah. the sort of like specifics that, mm-hmm. that you know it has to test against and then also um, kind of more of the uh, maybe subjective measures, right? Yeah, so we, I mean, we have two taste panels every single day, one at 11, one at 3, um, and we try to get our indie beers on at least once a week um, for taproom approval and everything pretty much it's out of a scale of 9. I don't think I've really had seen or had anything get an 8.5 or a 9 ever, so um, it has to at least achieve a 7 out of nine to be approved for the tap room. And that's based off of Brewer's original um, intentions, um, what the the style of beer is, um, the the overall just flavor attributes, whether it's sweet, whether it's hoppy, bitter, uh, what's the amplitude of the hops, um, what's the sour sourness level, whether everything works together well or uh, kind of contradicts. It depends on the original intentions. And then ultimately, Basically, if everybody likes it, and if we want it to represent Goose Island in the tap room. I found it really interesting when you were explaining that to me before, because I think that people, um, and you probably run into this sort of thing a lot, where people are like, ah, it's beer, you're brewing, like, it seems like such a casual sort of thing. But there's actually, like, not only is there science, but there's these really specific criteria that you're trying to meet. It's it's huge. I mean... um, Again, there's always this ultimate bias of the beers you create are always the best beers, but it helps kind of like having that panel and that conversation. And it's often a philosophical uh, conversation as well. Um, having everybody together in the same room and discussing the beer in the first place really helps kind of mold your perceptions of what you originally wanted and what improvements you might want to uh, implement. But also, I mean, you can still stand your ground too and just be like, this is exactly what I wanted. Nine out of nine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm rating it then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were telling me about uh, another really interesting project you were involved with, which is the scavenger beer. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like it's such a fascinating way that all of these, uh, some of these um, normal processes, but then some also unusual ones for you came together. Tell tell us about that. Yeah. So scavenger originated out of the Fulton Inwood series. So that's an opportunity for everybody in the company to get together, uh, whether you're in brewing, marketing, sales, maintenance, lab, whatever, um, to really have that opportunity to create a new beer. Um, Everything from initial meetings to ideation to kind of recipe creation, brewing on the pilot system, brewing the production scale, naming, uh, tapping party, everything. Mm. So it's really kind of to see a beer come from the raw materials all the way to the glass. Uh, and so with ours, we came up with a beer that we wanted to kind of, in the, the Illinois bicentennial year, kind of an homage to that, but also utilize ingredients that were just from Illinois. Um, so we knew that utilizing the water 
the malt and the hops. That would be the easy part because there there's a few small um, hop growers. Obviously, the water from Lake Michigan and the malt from Illinois is relatively native. Um, the biggest kind of issue was going to be cultivating that yeast. Um, so there's a lot of domesticated yeasts out there, and but there's nothing that has any type of like state or regional origin. Um, so we also proposed a camping trip down to Shawnee National Forest, and uh, I'm glad we did because it was a really, really cool trip. And we went down there. Uh, it took a lot of planning. We designed uh, four different sampling types in order to kind of widen our opportunity to collecting and being successful. Um, and so we, we went down there with all our samples, and we did a, a, a bunch of hikes. Uh, camping, we we left out beer because in theory, like if beer attracts wasps, wasps are mechanical vectors for other bacteria. Potentially, we might be able to find a bacteria or yeast that could ferment in beer. Ah. Uh, we left out the petri dishes that was kind of the standard of the industry, um, and we ultimately collected about forty samples. Uh, we brought all forty back to the lab, and it took about three months of processing them using uh, traditional microbiological means of f***ing and slants and everything. Uh, and then we ran sensory on them because we really wanted to prioritize sensory. Uh, again, if we find a yeast that could entirely ferment beer but smells bad, you're not going to use it. Yeah. Um, so, kind of sensory was our secondary screening after microbiology. And that's just what it sounds like, what it tastes like, what it smells like, yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't taste yet because there's like. still that slight chance that a yeast could be pathogenic. Mm. Um, so we didn't do any type of tasting until we had analytics. Mm-hmm. And the analytics were just the original gravity, the pH, the finishing gravity, the real degree of fermentation, um, and actually the cell count too. So we can actually see like the cells in solution. Um, and based on that, we were able to narrow it down to four types of yeast. And then we ran one final sensory on them, one final analytics, and we, we found one that could partially ferment uh, wort. And so from there, based on what we learned in all the fermentation trials to reach that point, we designed a fermentation schedule to really accentuate the characteristics of that yeast while keeping the, the base relatively neutral. So the base was um, hops from hollowed hop farms in central Illinois, we used corn and wild rice, and then a two-row barley malt base. Um, so there's nothing really else to mask or hide behind, but we were really able to kind of showcase how that yeast really accentuated the characteristics that we really wanted out of it. So the beer scavenger, now it tastes like uh, white grape, melon, uh, lemon, and straw, uh, about 5.5%, and really representative of what Illinois has to offer. Now, you left out the part about the slug swabbing. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I guess I could go in a little bit more detail about the, uh, the samples. Uh-huh. Uh, we collected anything from uh, pine cones to leaves to uh, we did swab a slug. Um, we swabbed oyster mushrooms, which was another interesting opportunity where we learned that anytime we actually propagated that specific yeast up in wort, the the final beer ended up smelling like oyster mushrooms. Like kind of a cool culinary opportunity down the road for that. Um, and then finally, the, the byproduct of this whole project wasn't just a, a fully packaged finished beer, but we also um, we presented, uh, we're presenting all our results from the lab. We have a pretty advanced lab here, so we're able to collect a lot of data. 
and we created a presentation showcasing everything we did to reach the beer. And then we also created a standard operating procedure for any brewer to kind of go out there and collect yeast and come up with a uh, terroir ale. Oh, wow. So this could be like a, it replicated in different states. Yeah, this, uh, this project kind of had, it was, it was multifaceted and kind of a success. So we're pretty really, we're actually really proud of it. Yeah, that's so cool because it brings in the science and the uh-huh. camping and the creativity and the... All, all my it. passions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And some, some physical activity too. Yeah, I mean, I, I did run in Shawnee for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um. And that beer is is available just here at the just tap at room, the right? tap room, yep. mm-hmm. and we're at the Fault Street tap room. Exactly, yeah. it, we'll likely not recreate it, but you you could potentially see other brewers start to do something like this because again, having ha, there's also there's something to be said about all these different styles and whatnot, but really getting into the science and cultivating uh, terroir from your your environment is kind of a, a neat opportunity for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked some about uh, what you've achieved in running and what you've achieved in brewing. Um, and I'm curious, what is uh, next for you in either of those things or both of those things? What's a big goal you have for the future and how do you plan to get there? Well, I think after this marathon, I'm going to hold off on marathoning for a while. I'm going to start refocusing on uh, 5Ks uh, through half marathons. Um, my next race would be Shamrock Shuffle. I'm hoping for a 25 minute or so. So it's it's ambitious, but mm-hmm. I think I can do it. And how will you train differently to to achieve that goal? So I was actually just injured for the last year and a half. Oh my gosh! Um, up until probably maybe four or five months ago, mm-hmm. and I, I I learned something that I probably should have learned a very long time ago was recovery and stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I really didn't I, I neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a quadricep injury to the point where like my quadriceps started to atrophy. Oh my gosh. I wasn't engaging it with, yeah. uh, all the running I was doing uh-huh. and it, I, you could see my legs substantially smaller than the other one. Wow. So I did some physical therapy after like a year and a half of trying to figure out what was wrong and it almost abruptly went away as soon as I started strengthening that quad. Um, and implementing stretching and a lot of like the band stretching and calisthenics and whatnot. Um, so I find myself doing monster steps and lateral side steps pretty much every day now. Yeah. Um, and then just general stretching and rest. <laughs> yeah. So you have like a, like bands here at the brewery that you're. I have. So we have a little uh, elevator right here, uh-huh. and it's it's kind of like there's an, a walkway where nobody really goes. So I have like two yoga mats and bands and lacrosse balls and stuff like that some people i think there's been a few people that walk in on me like at the end of the day where i'm just like stretching and they're like what the hell Uh (laughs) like just just stretching here yeah (laughs) no that's awesome i mean so i'm lucky in that i work from home so i'm often doing like monster walks down my hallway at home but you gotta make it easy for yourself right do for sure like Mm -hmm. i mean hell i might go up to the tap deck have a couple beers and be like "Eh, my it band's pretty tight i might as well do some stretching. Yeah, right. Roll it on out. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And you were telling me too about some of the other, I mean, there are other brewers here who run or other yep. employees who run. So you have run clubs, you have run events. Tell me more yeah. about that. Um, so in 2016, we actually uh, had enough employees that were running that were interested to do the Ragnar from Madison to Chicago. Yeah. That was really fun, especially if you're at a, a small-ish company of like a hundred and so people that you, to have 12 people that are interested in running a 200-mile relay. Yeah, that's That great. was really exciting. 
Um, and then we, we've also obviously been a part of the Shamrock Shuffle, uh, Bank of America, um, Chicago Marathon. I personally, I, I like running with a group on Wednesdays, so I have a group of guys that I meet up with here at 5 o'clock, and we do a five- or six-mile run and then just finish with a bunch of beers. Um, and then pretty much any employee shows up as well, and whatever pace, we, we always finish with beers on Wednesdays. It's pretty cool, especially having the tap room open on Wednesdays too. Oh, yeah, that's great. So is that like, uh, do you have things that public can come to too? or? Yeah, anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Anybody can come. Great. What's your favorite running route in Chicago? What is my favorite running route in Chicago? Well, you know, I live up in Andersonville, so I am always running along the lake Lake path. Uh, Although I found a couple times this past summer, like especially like say air show weekend, which is really my least favorite weekend of the year, uh, I would go to the North Branch Trail. So if you go kind of northwest, uh, you can run like all the way to... Skokie and Glen. I pretty much grew up on that trail. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I love it. I love it. So I lived right in Glenview um, off of uh, Lake Street or Euclid, Uh as it's known in Arlington Heights. Um, And I was a mile from the trail entrance and you had pretty much nine miles to go north or nine or ten miles to go uh, south. And it was it was the perfect location for just like putting summer miles in. Yeah, yeah, so much less crowded than the lakefront. Yeah. You might see deer. Botanical gardens. Totally, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, <laughs> it's not really a hidden gem. I mean, a lot of people know about right. it, but I feel like the percentage of runners there versus on the lakefront trail is like, yeah. If I was closer to it, I, I would definitely use it more. So when you all run from here, what is your route? Um, from the brewery, pretty much it's, it's either running down Lake Street to the lake Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's during rush hour, we were, we're pretty much running straight up wood to the 606 mm-hmm. and I can get a full out and back on that about nine miles. Yeah. Um, but it's two miles from the brewery to the 606. And normally if it's a standard run, it's just a mile there and six mile run total. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Perfect. Well, I know the other way that you all were involved with the marathon was um, the beer at the yes. end and the can. Uh, and I know you played a role in that, too. Definitely. So so talk to me a little bit more about that. So we we already created a, a new innovative beer um, off of our 312 flagship uh, by simply dry hopping it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as simple as I make it out to be. But <laughs> again, we, ad- we added Saz hops to the, the beer as it was fermenting to really accentuate this nice kind of herbal black tea citrus component but we also wanted to kind of the marathon's a big thing for us um we're always tying goose island to the chicago marathon and with the recent development of our canning line uh we wanted to kind of kind of pay tribute to both chicago marathon and get runners into our beer as well so we uh we went with dry hop through and tubes purely for the kind of like the dryness it has the citrus component it's it's a good gateway beer for a lot of people that might not all already be familiar with that style of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so simultaneously, we redesigned the label to kind of hold that traditional Dry Hop 312 um, logo and coloring, but we also added an opportunity for runners to write down their time at the bat on the on the side of the the can mm-hmm. as they finish the marathon. So this beer was only available for people that completed the marathon, and it gave them an opportunity to pretty much have the can as a trophy at the end of the race. That's so cool. <laughs> I didn't run it this year, but now I'm a little regretful. Like I should have. Uh, I'm going to miss it. it yeah. yeah. I'm going to hold off a little bit from it, but it's mm-hmm. awesome to be a spectator too. 
Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Well, it sounds like you have some exciting plans for your running and also for maybe future potential running related beers. Um, we can't wait to uh, to kind of keep tabs on all that. So um, where can people find out? I guess they can come here to the tap room to taste new things. Or what are some of the other ways that people can find out about what new and exciting things you're doing here at Goose? Honestly, I'd say the tap room's the best place because not only are we creating new beers specifically for the tap room, but you also might have opportunities to taste trials of certain beers that might be something different in the future. Um, whether we brewed a, uh, a, a trial of something that needs to be barrel aged in the future, but you get to try it before it's even barrel aged. So I, I'd suggest coming to the tap room. It's 1800 West Fulton, uh, Fulton and Wood. Um, it's open Wednesday through Sunday. And otherwise, we also have our beers on our original Clybourne Group Hub. But it's best to uh, to come here, get come it in person, source. find out what's yeah, going on. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, Tim, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And We Got Goals, this has been such a blast, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. Hey, goal getters, this is Cindy Kuzma, just popping back in to let you know that we're about to play a goal from one of you, our listeners. If you would like to share your goal with us, a goal you've accomplished in the past, a goal you have for the future, or your best goal getting tip, all you have to do is record a voice memo on your phone or computer and email it to me, Cindy at a You could hear yourself on an upcoming episode of We Got Goals. Now, here is one of your goals. Hi, my name's Todd. I'm from Carroll's Stream. My big goal is to switch industries for my career uh, from the chemical industry into the natural health uh, food beverage industry. I have over 20 years of experience in supply chain and procurement, and I'm looking to take my skills and knowledge from the chemical industry into the plant-based sector of the natural health food and beverage industry. Thank you so much. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or review while you're at it, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guests this week, Tim Faith, to Ryan Duffett for editing, Tech Nexus for the recording studio, and of course, to you, our listeners.